I think we spent three or four weeks in chapter 15. And uh, last week we followed up on that third uh, vision that John has been, has, has been given here in the book of Revelation, which the first one, I mean, really all three are, are major events in the history of mankind. And I remember in the second vision, it was the dragon and him taking a third of the angels or a third of the stars from the sky representing a third of the angels, really a vision of, of Lucifer's fall when he wanted to ascend uh, above the throne of God. And then the vision of the woman with the 12 stars uh, you know, at, around her head representing the 12 tribes of Israel giving birth to the child. And that was the fulfillment of the prophecy that that seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head, a vision that had been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it talked about the serpent, the dragon wanting to destroy that child and him being ascended to heaven and talking about the Lord's death, resurrection, and his ascension. And then it then moved to the tribulation, and we read there about the dragon wanting to go after that woman. And look at Satan's effort from the beginning has always been to try to destroy Israel. In the Old Testament, his effort was to try to destroy her because God had said through Israel, the savior of the world would come. So Satan, you know, it figured, hey, if I can destroy Israel through whom the savior is to come, I'll prove God a liar and there'll be no savior of the world. Because listen, Satan wants to destroy men. He wants to see men in hell because men and women were the only ones created in the image and likeness of God and in an effort to try to even come against God and come against mankind. I mean, the enemy is a liar. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we know, again, the Lord conquered sin, death, hell, and Satan there on the cross, ascended to heaven. And then in, in this, this New Testament period that we're in, again, there's been an effort by the enemy to destroy Israel because we read really clearly that the Lord will sit on the throne of David in the millennial reign of Christ. And as we've been going through Revelation, we see everything unfolding in Jerusalem. We talked about the regathering of Israel in the last days that has taken place and even all the prophecy unfolded over there. But once again, Satan wanted to prove God a liar. Well, if I can exterminate Israel, then I can prove God a liar and make his promises null and void. But here's the truth. God's not a liar. And he knows the end from beginning and what he says is going to come about is going to come about. So really in those first two visions, he saw that. And in the third, he saw uh, these seven angels coming out, pouring out their wrath here uh, on earth. And it's the fulfillment of God's wrath poured out on earth in that second half of the tribulation. And again, ushering the physical second coming of Christ and then the millennial reign of Christ. So tonight as we move to chapter 16, we're going to start seeing these bowls of wrath that, that are going to be poured out in this time. Uh, we're going to look at the first three bowls tonight and some real interesting things to consider here in these bowls. Uh, beautifully, again, let's remember this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to learn more about Jesus Christ in these seven verses that we're going to look at. Uh, and praise God as we see these bowls of wrath that are going to justly and righteously be poured out on the vine of the earth as the sin of mankind has reached its limit with God, we're going to be reminded tonight that Jesus Christ took the wrath to us. And as we see these bowls of wrath poured out, remember the Lord there in the Garden of Gethsemane talked about the cup that he was going to drink. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. And there's a way of escape through these things. It's through Christ Jesus. 
who took the wrath of the Father, who again rose from the grave, who's made the way of escape for all who trust in him. And I think it's so important as we look at these bowls of wrath and we consider the wrath of God and the judgment of God and the righteousness of God in that, that absolutely every time we rejoice in Jesus Christ, who's made that way of escape. And listen, he's calling all unto that. He says, anyone who's thirsty, let him come and drink. Absolutely. He says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So a lot to glean in this about the person of God. Again, the lies of Satan, the wickedness of men, and the provision of salvation made through Jesus Christ. So let's read through our text together. uh, Seven verses here, the first seven verses of uh, chapter 16. And then we'll dive in this and just make our way through and hopefully leave here uh, again having grown in the Lord. So it says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of dead men, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So again, notice here verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels. And uh, this word loud, have you noticed it comes up over and over in, in Revelation? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of loudness up in glory. Praise God, when we get up there, we'll have those glorified ears, so we'll just be fine. We won't need any, you know, an ear protection or whatnot. But especially in this time of the great tribulation, you know, that volume's cranked up. And a lot of it has to do, again, with worship of God Almighty as well as a celebration that's going to be there in heaven because they, they know that, that with that great tribulation, there's the ushering again of the millennial reign of Christ Jesus. And there's the put down of this rebellion that's been here on the earth for 6,000 years from the time when man chose to eat of that tree in the garden to be his own God. When man said, hey, I'll do as I will. I ain't gonna listen to God anymore. I'm gonna do what's right in my own eyes. I want to be my own God. And remember, God had told man, in that day, you're going to die. And indeed, spiritual death set in that day, and a curse set on the earth that day, and absolutely physical death set in on that day. And it's just been, you know what, rebellion since then. Praise God for, you know what, remnants in every generation who put their trust in God, who acknowledge their sin, and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are blessed in this day. Look at those with real faith in Jesus. You're blessed to be in that remnant today of believers who have put their trust in the Lord on that narrow road that leads to life that's only found through the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, a rejoicing in in the millennial reign of Christ, as well as again, the put down of that rebellion that started in that garden that's continued on. And boy, God has been so long-suffering in the midst of that so long suffering even today i mean we look around the world and you just see mayhem really it's indeed days of peril i I chuckle sometimes because i think 
you know, about 20 years ago, you know, when there's stuff going on in the world, and there's been stuff going on since the fall of man, but I'd hear, you know, it, someone go, oh boy, how much worse can it get? And you think about 20 years ago, it's like, that's like Little House on the Prairie days, you know, compared to today, you know? It's just, it's just, you know, back when we had the, the speed dial or, you know, the, the rot- rotary dial and the cell phones were this big, you know, that, back in the good old days. And, y- y- you know, just things are on a warp speed of, of debauchery and rebellion and evil and, and just these wicked agendas that are just being pushed. And I, I know I talk about it all the time and I harp on it, but I can't help but to talk about it because I want to see people deliver from it. The Bible talks about exposing darkness with light, but just this, this, this wicked ideology being pushed on our children of, you know, them being able to decide what they are and how they were born and all this. And it's really, it's just total defiance against God who from the beginning made them male and female and so forth. And we're just in a time when we see the abandonment of the original ordinances of God. And again, in that tribulation, there's a rejoicing in heaven and these loud voices pronouncing judgment and so forth because it's a put down of that rebellion. And yes, it's a sorrowful thing when men die in their sin and face the, the, the judgment and wrath of God. And we read in Ezekiel, God takes pleasure in no man's death, even in the deaths of the wicked. But at the same time, God is righteous and just and absolutely, we should rejoice when righteousness and justice prevails. And you just, again, you just look around the world today and sometimes soon it has to come, in, come to an end because at, at the, 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 you know, the projection of this earth right now and, and you know, the way things are going, I just look and I'm like, this can't go much longer here. I mean, the world is being ran by total wicked morons for the most part, you know, with a few exceptions. And listen, I know God can revive that. I, I know that we, I know if God chooses to bring a Jesus reset in, he can do that overnight. But, you know, you, you look around and you look at prophecy and how things would be. It, it just seems the prophetic is unfolding in this time that we're living in. So in the midst of this, and, and here we are towards the end of the tribulation, John's hearing a, a loud voice. And Look at, I believe this loud voice here, it's, it's Christ himself because we learn in the uh, previous chapter that that Shekinah glory had come into the heavenly Jerusalem. I remember everyone had to leave the, t- leave the temple. And so the only one in the temple right now is God Almighty. So this loud voice is God himself. And God's the one ordering these events in the book of Revelation. And he cries out to these seven angels and again these seven angels are being deployed by christ as we saw in the last chapter to complete his wrath on those that are still there on the earth during that time and again it's going to be his judgment during that time and his wrath being completed here on earth and we talked about this how we read about the wrath in eternity on those who reject Christ, who make that choice to refuse him in an everlasting hell. But the Bible also talks about wrath here on earth and God completing his wrath on earth during that time. And one thing you gotta know is that God runs balanced books and whatever man sows, he's gonna reap. And I really believe that's true in glory. And it's true to agree here, even on earth, though at times it seems like you know, there are certain people that are just in rebellion and it just, it just, they seem unscathed. But look, there's a lot that goes on in people's hearts and minds that you don't necessarily see. 
A lot of things that don't come out in the open. And you need to know this, that again, God runs balanced books and whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And so God is the judge, but uh, praise God, there's a way of escape. As, of, there's a way of escape of his judgment. I love what Jesus said there in Matthew 21, 44, speaking of himself, he said, whoever falls on the stone will be broken, but, whoever, but whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And that's the choice. Look, there's, there's choice A and there's choice B. And, and Jesus is always choice A because he's the number one. And the, the choice A is to fall on Christ. And you come to the Lord broken when you come to him. It's not this, you know, I'm prideful and me and God were equals. And I'll give you a chance, Lord. No, you come broken. Woe is me, I am a sinner. I deserve the wrath of God. Lord, forgive me, wash me, meet me where I'm. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. And you come broken and praise God. The word tells us that if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, guess what he'll do? He won't grind us into powder, but instead he'll lift us up. He'll wash us of sin. He'll register our name in heaven. He'll begin a good work in our life here on earth. And praise God, he'll be faithful to complete it. Let me ask, are you in Christ tonight? Can you say amen to that? Listen, God is continuing that work that he has begun. And so there's no vain days in the life of the believer. The Lord's always working in our life, even when things seem, you know, like, to, like they're, they're doldrum or whatever. God is absolutely working. But if you do reject him, look at he is going to fall upon you. And it says here, and he said, I'm going to grind you to powder. That's Jesus's words. I know a lot of people say, you know what? I don't want the rest of the Bible. I, I don't want that Old Testament. It's yucky. I don't want Paul's letters. Oh, I only believe in the words of Jesus. And they do that to try to manipulate the Bible, to try to misrepresent Jesus Christ. But the Lord himself said, if you reject me as your Lord, I'm going to grind you to powder. That should put the fear of God in every soul. That should cause men to fall on their face and cry out to the Lord for forgiveness and salvation because the Lord's not a liar. And the Lord absolutely didn't speak in code. The Lord didn't pervert his words. When he speaks, it's clear and it is true. And it's a very sobering reminder for us as believers as well. Let's be about the business of praying for folks. Let's be about the business of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because our time here is a vapor. It is a shadow. It's a hand breath. It comes and it goes. So this loud voice speaks from the temple. Again, we just know from doing the math, this is the voice of God. And he says to these seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God upon earth. And again, this is that wrath that has been stored up because of the sins of man. And this is a concept that's really clear in scripture. Praise God, God's a God of mercy. Again, his mercies, they're new every morning. And I can't encourage you enough when you get up and you start your day and you go out and you see that sun again on the sky, thank God for his mercy. Let that be a reminder to you that his mercies are new every morning. And I rejoice in that as a follower of the Lord, because I need his grace and I need his mercy. I, I am positionally right with God, but practically I am a work in progress and, and I got a lot of rough edges and praise God, he's still standing them back and working on me and so forth. And that's because of his grace and his mercy. But here's the truth. If you want to reject his mercy, if you want to reject his grace, you want to push that to the side, then you're going to store up the wrath of God Almighty. You push away his mercy, you store up his wrath. Notice Romans 2, 5. But in accordance with the hardness 
and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. You want to reject mercy? You're going to store up wrath. And especially in this time of the tribulation, again, these are a people that in many ways, they're going to have some unique witnesses of who God is and the call to repent, maybe even more so than anyone in the history of the world. Now, look at, I firmly believe the church is going to be gone during this time, and we are the ones that are to be preaching the gospel today. But we've seen throughout this study in Revelation that God has a witness to every generation, including those last seven years. And we've read, we've read about those two witnesses in Jerusalem that are going to be calling fire down from heaven as a witness of the Lord. 144,000 witnesses on the earth calling men to repent. We've read about angels flying through the sky calling men to repent, warning them not to take that mark of the beast. Even the pouring out of this wrath in the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and in these bowl judgments, we've seen that men on earth, even in their rebellion, know this is the judgment of God, and yet they still, for the most part, except for a remnant people, refuse to repent. And in all of this, they're stacking up the wrath of God. Back in Revelation 9, again, this is in the midst of uh, I believe the trumpet judgments, it says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons of idol and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And we read about them throughout this in the midst of these plagues. Instead of crying out to the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, save me, forgive me, we read of them going underneath the rocks and crying out for the rocks to fall upon them. In other words, I would rather be grinded into powder than humble my heart and call out on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a sad commentary, you know what, on mankind. Now, again, they're going to think they're calling the shots, this rebellious group we've been talking about. But really, all of these things, it's God moving them into this final judgment because, again, their sin is right. Their sin has run its course. And look at, you look around the things in the world today. You know, you look and, and, and you got to ask, how, how's that bowl not full right now, you know? How's it not overflowing the, the top right now? It's because God's long-suffering. It's not because of our goodness, and it's definitely not because of, of, of what's going on in the world today. It's because this, is, this bowl, it's a big, giant bowl. It's a massive bowl, and it's a bowl of God's mercy. But again, you reject his mercy, that wrath gets stored up as the, the sin increases. In fact, in Revelation 14, we read in great detail where it talks about the vine of the earth. And this sharp sickle that the Lord is going to take out to judge these earth dwellers, these who, again, they're rooted in the earth. They're carnal. They're, they're, they're void of God. They're not interested in God. They're interested in serving their, their five senses. They do as they will, whatever they want to do. They serve themselves. And it speaks, though, of the, the vine of the earth being ripe and the Lord, again, sending an angel to thrust his sickle on the earth 
and that crop is thrown into the press of God, the wine press of God, and it speaks of it really foreshadowing Armageddon and the Lord coming back and trampling those nations that we'll see in a few weeks in one of these bold judgments. It's basically a calling of the nations to come and fight against God, and God's going to trample them, and it says that the blood of men will be as high as the horse's bridle. And look at they're not going to be riding on those little mini horses. It's 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 going to be it's going to be up high. But again, it's just because of the rebellion of man. You want to reject His mercy, which is abundant and and massive. I mean, God sent His own Son to die for our sins. What God does that? Only a God who loves us and has loved us with an everlasting love. And has given us grace and mercy and so forth. Again, he's so long-suffering. It's a big old bowl, and it's taken time to fill up. But we're near the top. And again, the Lord in this, this scene soon to come, is going to come to that final pouring out of the wrath of God upon the nations of the world that are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, there's example of this, examples of this with cultures and nations throughout the scriptures uh, you know with abraham god had told him he was going to give him the land of canaan and indeed that land has been deeded to israel over there in israel today in fact their borders stretch farther than what they even have right now so you know you hear some ignorant christians saying oh israel's in that place and that's occupied territory they're not looking at that biblically look at that's all that's all deeded to them by god well you know what the united nations no let me say by God. That's needed to them by God. God made all this. The word of God is written by the hand of God, and God deeds that to Israel. But before they actually went into that land, God told Abraham about 400 years or so are going to pass because the Amorites that are there, you know, it representing the Canaanites, he, he said that, that their sin wasn't full yet. Uh, in Genesis fifteen sixteen, it says that in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Ammonites is not yet complete. And so there was a pagan people in that land. They had the witness of the Lord. There were some believers scattered in there. But look at, they were a people that for the most part were rejecting God, but God's patient. You know what? Abraham could have said, I want that land now. But he says it's going to be four generations and be 400 plus years for the iniquity of those Amorites to be complete. And it was God being patient with them. And look, they had multiple witnesses of who God was and the promise that God had given. He'd send his son to die for, you know what, the sins of the world. But eventually, look at the outcry would come before the Lord. In Genesis 19, we see Sodom. And the judgment on them and their sin finally coming to the point where it had reached the top. And, you know, God said, we're going to destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord sent us to destroy it. Genesis nineteen thirteen. And again, that's another people group with great witnesses of God Almighty. Yet they rejected him and they came to a place really what all these people groups and so forth in the tribulation and these other times we read of this it's individuals and it's cultures and nations it's really when they come to the place and we've talked about this many times but i think it's worthy to be talked about again they come to the place where they're no longer ashamed of their sin 
Sin is no longer done in, you know what, in, in dark places, but it's done right out in the open and it's celebrated and it's paraded and you're shamed if you don't go around along with it. Does that not sound like our day to day? Where it's like, boy, should I say something? Yeah, you should say something. Be led by the Lord in saying it. But you look around, if you're going to stand for truth, you're going to stand for biblical marriage, you're going to stand for morality, you are going to be shamed by a lot of people out there that are not only unashamed of their sin, they parade it and then they stand on it as a platform of righteousness. Look how righteous I am because I believe a little boy can choose if he's a boy or a girl. Look how righteous I am. And really, again, they're in rank rebellion against God Almighty in that because from the beginning, God made them male and female. That's the theology and the science of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, lines up with real observed science. You see, real science, you can observe it. That's utter nonsense. And again, it's being taught in our schools. But you see it abounding all around us where... This world is very unashamed of their sin. And Sodom, they become unashamed of their sin to the point where these angels came in to tell Lot was going to happen and to get them out of there. And it says the men and the people from every quarter came out. It wasn't just, you know, that one little neighborhood over there. It wasn't like the Tenderloin or whatever, and they just came out. It wasn't just you know, that seedy place, you know, to cross the railroad tracks. They came out from every quarter, and they said, send those men out so we can know them carnally. Look, that's biblical talk for something really bad, if you're not familiar with biblical talk. I ain't going to get into it more than that. We all want to know them carnally. They become unashamed of it. They were all out there. And look, at it was so bad, those angels blinded those men, and instead of them going, oh my goodness, I can't see oh, I'm blind, I need to call out God and ask him to forgive me. It says all night long in their blindness, they tried to find that door. That's how driven they were by their sin. And again, God had been merciful. Look at that, that city had had the witness of Melchizedek himself and Christ is of the Melchizedek priesthood. That, that the king of that city was there when he offered communion to Abraham of bread and wine foreshadowing the coming of christ abraham the father of israel and the father of all those with faith in christ had delivered that king remember that king was taken into captivity and abraham rides, rides up rounds up 300 men and they ride up north and they delivered five kings from bondage don't tell me they didn't see the power of god but they chose to reject it that's mercy on mercy on mercy on mercy. But they said, we love our sin and we're going to stand in it. In fact, we're unashamed of it. And that is even our righteous platform. You need to keep this in mind. Because there's a lot of folks when it comes to the judgment of God and the wrath of God and that which is to come, they start getting real uncomfortable. And they start thinking, well, you know, God can't be like that. God's a God of love and a God of love would never judge any of these things. Listen to what Proverbs 28, 5 says. I read this in my devotion today. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Wicked men don't understand it because they think they're just, they think they're righteous. But the truth is there's no good, no, not one. We are all sinners. God is holy and we are not. And absolutely God told man, you eat of that tree, you're going to die. And we are a rank people who break God's laws over and over and over again. The wage of that sin is death. And God is not bringing death and rebellion and man's philosophies and ideas into glory. We're going to have none of that nonsense there. None of that's going to be there. 
But what did God do again? He sent his son who lived a sinless life, who took all that wrath to us upon himself. And he says, whoever calls on my name will be saved. No partiality with God Almighty. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? If you haven't, you need to get saved tonight. You need to quit putting him off. And humble heart before God and let him wash you and cleanse you and give you the Holy Spirit and begin a good work in you. And indeed, he'll be faithful to complete it. I got some other verses in your, note, in your notes there. Uh, Daniel 8, 23, uh, Revelation 18, 5. Again, it's along these same lines in the last days where their sins reach their fullness. In Revelation 18, it talks about their sins reaching heaven. The cup's full. The bowl of wrath is full. And now it's time for it to be poured out. But again, there's good news. And the good news, absolutely, is Jesus Christ. John 3, 36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Let me ask you, do you believe in the Son? Say amen to that. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The Lord's the way out. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me, because only Jesus dealt with the issue of sin. Like, but I'm a good guy, and my good way, my good things outweigh my bad. Look, that's your estimation of things. You might not even be right in that, but even if that's the case, it doesn't matter. The Bible says if you break one point of the law, you break it all. And it also says if you try to be justified by the law, not only does that not counsel your debt, it adds to your debt. It adds more to your debt. Even in the fact you think you could justify yourself before a holy God who sent his son to shed his blood for you. You're trampling the cross of Christ under your foot and the shed blood of Jesus under your foot. There's a better way, man. Humble your heart and cry out God and receive the forgiveness of sin through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, pour out the bowl of wrath of God on earth. And these are these earth dwellers we've talked about earlier. Uh, Revelation uh, 11, verse uh, 18, it talks about these are those that destroy the earth. These on the earth are the ones destroyed. And I, I've heard some ignorant, um, you know what, progressive, I'll do quotes, Christians saying, well, that, that's talking about global warming there. You know what, uh, you know what, all, all these things, that's God's gonna come destroy them. He ain't talking about that here. We should be good stewards of what we have. Please pick up your trash and clean up your yard. Let's be good stewards of things, for goodness sakes. He's talking about, though, the sin of man that destroys the earth. When man sinned in the garden, a curse came. And this destruction is coming because of man's sin. And look at all these bowls of wrath are being poured out, these seal judgments, trumpet judgments, and bowl judgments. It's because of man's sin. The wages of sin is death. And so how ironic these liars that run around and peddle these green agendas, they're really people that worship the earth itself, ignorant to the fact they're the ones destroying the earth itself. In fact, I'll let you in on something. Most of their stuff, they even know it's nonsense. It's an agenda being pushed, though, to really try to come against Christianity because there's a conviction of their sin when Christ is preached, and they want to enjoy their sin during their short time here on earth but again praise god and we talked about this sunday so i won't go deep into it tonight praise god all these events remember they're ushering ushering in liberty this is the ushering in of the kingdom of god here on earth and the new heaven and the new earth 
And we read there in Romans uh, 8.20 at this point, it says, for creation was subject to futility, not willingly because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. But in the day of the Lord, which again is a period of time, when the sons and daughters of God are going to be revealed, and that will be revealed at the rapture, the second coming, ruling and reigning Christ in the millennial reign and into eternity. He'll be our God and we'll be his people. But there's going to be a liberation because this creation was put into a bondage when man sinned. And it talks about it growing now. And the Lord spoke of in these last days, you know, those, those groanings and birth pains would increase. And Sunday, we just touched on it a bit. We've gone on into great detail on Wednesday nights. But the Lord talks about the beginnings of sorrows and all those things he talks about in Matthew 25 and those first 15 verses or so. Man, we see him happening all around us at, at, a, at a rapid pace. And uh, I think, you know what? It's yesterday's news now, but it was pestilence. Though I think it was a man-made pestilence myself, a bioweapon myself. Uh, you, you're allowed to think whatever you want to think, but I can say what I want up here, and I think that's what it was. And it seems like the evidence pretty much show that to be the case. Uh, look, there's wicked men that want to see people die. Newsflash for you. Oh, no, it can't be. It's, yeah, that's the case. There's wicked people in wicked places and in high places. Go read Psalm 2, and you can get the biblical perspective on that. And now it seems like we've even all more moved into wars and rumors of wars. And you look around and sometimes it's like it's hard to really know what's a war and what's more a rumor of war. And uh, look, it tests what you hear, I'll tell you that much. But we see both going on. And uh, look at our, our nation, though not a lot of wars have been fought on the soil, you know, a, a revolutionary war, a civil war. You know, in the 245 years America's been a country, we've been in war 225 of those years. <laughs> And look at, I love my country. I pray for my country. I want to see this country revive. I want to see California revived. And uh, the Lord's put me here to pray for that and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do that until he tells me to do something different or to do it somewhere different. But look at this nation right here. uh, It needs to repent. It absolutely does. And these wars and rumors of wars, they are abounding. And you know what? along with a whole lot of deception out there but praise god the lord tells the believer in the midst of that see that your heart's not troubled because these things must come to pass so make sure when you're seeing these things that are going to lead up to the pouring out of this wrath and the coming of the lord don't let your heart be troubled saint your god's on the throne we're in god's hands we're in god's economy best response to that is say lord what would you have me to do i want to walk with the lord and my confidence is in Christ. He is a strong tower. He is a sure refuge. God's going to see you through every single day. And I'll say it all the time. Look around. He's brought us this far and we're doing just fine here tonight. Verse 2. I'll try to go a little bit quicker. Otherwise, it's going to be a five-parter in chapter 16 here. <clears throat> So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. So the Lord says to this angel, go. And this angel went and he poured. And just side note, when the Lord says go, let's go. And then let's do. 
And there's a lot of people around, again, thinking this day is never going to come purposely or worldwide, but it indeed is going to happen. The Bible speaks a lot of scoffers of these things in Second Peter and other places, but it's going to happen. And again, that wrath gets stacked up. It stirs things in the spiritual realm. And now it's the point where God's pouring out that last wrath to complete the pouring out of his wrath here on earth. And, and then there's an eternal wrath again for those that die in their sin, which these things don't even compare to. Now it's real interesting, this, this bowl here. It says, foul and loathsome sores came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. And let's remember, it's just a few chapters earlier, and it seems to be right at the midway point of the tribulation. This, this beast, this antichrist, we know the dragon's kicked out of heaven at that point. There's a whole convergence of events, and Satan knows his time is short, and it seems like he's getting given a, a, a broader platform to deceive the world. And we know that he sets up a system which... I fully believe is in the works of being set up right now where no one can buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And boy, there's a lot of chatter right now about digital, you know what, uh, currencies. I know something was just pushed by Biden right now where they're studying that, whatnot. Yeah, they, they, they already know about all that. They just put that out there to, you know, to, to string us dummies along or whatever. But there's that, you know, and, and, and on one hand, you know what, if, if everything was upright, it actually makes sense if it's all digital and whatnot, but there's wicked agendas behind this. And, you know, there's so much talks about computer chips and things to scan you and passports and all this stuff like this. And we know there at the midway point, this beast is going to institute this mark that you have to have it to buy or sell. If you don't have this mark, you can't buy or sell. And along with it, there's also a requirement of worshiping the image of the beast. And it says if you don't worship the image of the beast, you're going to be killed. So this mark's going to come with it, this requirement to worship the image of the beast. And we'll get more into this in a second. But look, it's going to be something that's promised to these earth dwellers is something good. And I really believe right now, and maybe my thoughts will change on it down the road, this really seems to be associated I would guess with some sort of singularity, with some sort of changing of the DNA, some sort of, you know, an altering of the person where you're saying, I don't want to be in the image of God anymore. I want to be in the image of the beast. Because look at these high ups are all pushing for this right now. Even this idea of down uploading or downloading your conscience so you can continue on. And these guys thinking that they can live forever. And, and again, before you just scoff at all that, let's remember in Genesis 11 at Babel, when God came down and confused man, he said, look, at, at the rate they're going, there's nothing they put their hand to they won't be able to do. And that's where we praise God, but God. They, yeah, nothing, but, but there's God. <laughs> and, and, and look, at when God says you're not going there, you're not going there. And right now, there's a great push for these things. And, and I really personally believe a lot of things going on in the world and agendas is it's trying to push these things in and push man towards these things. And so this is going to be a promise of something wonderful. And it's interesting when you talk about end times and look, there's, there's a lot of believers that think we're going to go through all the tribulation and they, they, they say, what are you going to do when that mark of the beast is rolled out? 
How are you going to be able to buy or sell? No, it's going to be horrible if we're around through there. So I better stock up more stuff so I can get through it. I, I don't know if three and a half years through at this point, you're even going to have a house to stock anything up in. Look, there's a lot that pours out in that time. I'm not telling you, be, be, be led by the Lord and whatnot. I personally believe the church is going out at the beginning of all this because this tribulation is predominantly about Israel and so forth. And we've got into all that. But it's going to be put forth as something good. Take this mark. I really believe it's going to be a promise of some sort of eternal life, extended life, even based on the technologies and things right now and the verbiage of these high ups. And again, you, you have to have it to buy or sell. So people are going, I want to, I got to live. So I'm going to go take this thing and it will be put out with fear. But also again, there's going to be a requirement of worshiping the beast. No one's going to get tricked into this. That's why even when all this past year, people, all oh, that vaccine is the mark of the beast. Look, it doesn't go down like that in scripture. This doesn't happen that way. It seems like there's some foreshadowing of that, and that especially in these cities where they said you have to have it to eat here or, or, or go to this theater or this game or whatever else. And you know what? It seems like a lot of people conform to that. And in this time, you're going to have to have that to buy or to sell. And again, it seems that you're going to be monitored that if you're not even worshiping the beast, you're, you're going to be killed. And so I don't know if there's some kind of, you know what? thing in there that 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 sets off or whatever but this is again and we talked about it a little bit the last few weeks this is how satan works he promises something that looks good look at you can buy or sell we're going to fix these things this economy is going to soar you're, you're going to be in the image of the beast and you know god's bad and we're good and and you can achieve you know what eternal life whatever the promise is going to be and it looks it looks so good but soon in, it's going to turn so bad. The word foul, it means, it, it's interesting. It's a word in the Greek, it means stinks. And it also means evil. So these sores that come, they stink and they're evil. Losa means vicious, but it also means devilish. It's a physical word as well as a spiritual word. And we read at times about foul spirits that Jesus cast out. And it's interesting how many times in the Gospels those foul spirits are associated with sickness. And they're associated with filth and with disease and so forth. And it's interesting, the Lord casts those spirits out and immediately these people are healed. And it really seems with the taking of this mark, there's also going to be an invitation for demons to come in. And again, Look, at the devil will always offer a lollipop to get in the door, but once he's in the door, he's going to still kill and destroy. And really what it seems to be in looking at these things is without Mark, a, a, a demonic entity is going to come into an individual, and then after a short order of time, the Lord in pouring out his wrath is going to allow those demons to torment these people, not only, you know, internally, but through these physical sores coming upon them because remember even when we looked at where it talks about breath is given to the image of the beast we see that same word used in revelation 16 13 and 14 on revelation 18 3 and it's the same word used for demon or an unclean spirit that breath comes in and so it really seems when man takes the mark 
that with that as well, there's a worship of the image of the beast and the image of the beast again is given breath to move and so forth. And you have to worship that image. You put the math together, it seems a demonic entity comes in you. And it's very interesting, even with singularity right now, you listen to some of these high ups that talk about that. And that's the merging of man and machine, computers and men. And, and this stuff's advancing at an incredible rate. Some of these guys even talk about with that, there's entities that operate these things. And they talk about them knowing at least they're interdimensional uh, beings. And we're not talking about some, you know what, beatnik hippie off in some you know a lab at cal berkeley or whatever we're talking about high up ray kurzweil's these guys that run facebook these are the guys pushing this stuff and it's incredible how they've even networked the whole world together in such a a, a short amount of time and so biblically you look at this and again seeing those words are associated with demons and they're very closely related to those that jesus casted demons out of it's also very much like the, 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 you know, one of the plagues there in Exodus when boils came out upon those in Egypt. And many of these plagues parallel those, but these are far more intense. Now, a sore usually, again, is, called by an, is caused by an infection by a microorganism, by a parasite. And again, if this mark is a changing of the DNA, you're going to get a demon that's a parasite that's going to produce and God's going to allow it to produce these sores that are loathsome. They're incredibly painful. They stink. And again, this is a picture of how Satan works. He always makes sin look so good, but there's always death and hell right behind that door. That's always the case. And then it's really fascinating with this. And we talked about this this past year when we went through the book of Daniel, I'll try to summarize this quickly, but in Daniel 2, we know Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he sees a vision of, of a statue. And it talks about a gold head and then a silver section. And you know these several sections that go down representing these different kingdoms that came as exactly prophesied. And then that last kingdom on earth, it's these 10 toes and it's mixed iron and clay. It's mixed iron and clay. And it says, and I encourage you to read through all of it when you get the chance, but in Daniel 2.42, it says, and the toes of the feet were partially iron and partially clay, so the kingdom is partially strong and partially fragile. And then listen to verse 43. And you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, and they'll mingle with the seed of men. See the, see the, the phrase there? They'll mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron do not mix with clay. And over the years, there's been a lot of thoughts on that. You know, the current thought of a lot of people is that's communism and capitalism coming together. And it's a weak system. And it seems like there's a, there's a push towards that economically. And that, that, that's a lot of that's religious as well and so forth. But communism and capitalism doesn't have to do with the seed of man. And this talks about iron, which even if you look at this whole statue that you read about in Daniel, it's made of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. That's what is used to make computer chips. <laughs> That's the ingredient for computer chips. And the iron mixes with the clay. And it just seems as it's talking about 
They try to mingle with the seeds of men. It seems like machine and man mingled together. But notice, they will not adhere to one another. And it seems as if perhaps these these sores that break out is the product of it not working and not fitting together. The enemy promising something. And again, man left alone. God said nothing's impossible for him. But here's the key phrase in all this, but God. And God's saying, look it. It ain't going to happen the way you think you're going to happen. I'm not going to allow this to happen. I'm coming in to break this up. I'm not going to allow this iron to come mingle with the clay. This is not going to go forward. And as a result, again, these sores break out that are absolutely in the Greek associated with the demonic, with a torturous position. And sadly, these people at this point there won't be deliverance for them. And this is gonna look a lot like hell on earth, but compared to hell, it really is going to be nothing. It's gonna be Satan promising them life, but all he could try with all his might, but only God gives life. Again, those plagues in Egypt, the magicians could duplicate the first few plagues, but when God turned dust to lice and created life, those magicians couldn't do it. God limited them. They weren't able to do so. And it seems to be the case in this. Also think about this though. When these sores come on, man's appearance is gonna be grossly marred, especially this deep into the tribulation because all kinds of stuff's been poured out. Look at if you're survived to this point, you know what? You're gonna be scarred up, burnt up, beat up. And then all these boils are gonna break out these loathsome sores again associated with the demonic and they're going to be grossly marred and and how ironic especially with a culture today that's put so much emphasis on the outward and so little emphasis on the inward right but if i as i think about people being marred i have to think of jesus because again there's a way of escape for all this it's the lord jesus christ he drank of the cup of god's wrath and he was grossly marred for us. Isaiah 52, 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you. So his vestige was marred more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men. Again, Christ went to the cross. Look at this. This is indicating he was beat beyond human recognition when he hung upon the cross. The Lord's made the way of escape. But if you want to stand in sin and, you know what, reject them, and then in this time, these men even taking it to a whole level will be our own gods, you better believe, again, there is going to be a righteous judgment that's going to come. And it's going to be pure, true, and 100% upright. It says in verse 3, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. we got a few minutes here, and we'll close up. And it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. And so here's blood. It's, again, a picture of death. It's blood as of dead men. Again, this is going to smell horrible. It's going to kill every living creature in the sea. We've read of parts of the sea dying. Now, at this point, all the living creatures in the sea die. It's a picture of death. But again, blood is also a picture of life. Life's in the blood. The Bible told us before man ever figured it out in Leviticus 17, 11. And then praise God, Colossians 1, 14, in him we have redemption 
through his blood the forgiveness of sin. You see the parallels here. Jesus took the wrath, or you can have the wrath poured out upon you. Jesus was marred, or you can be marred. The Lord shed his blood, or again, we're going to drink this blood that is going to be foul and loathsome. It's A and B. Look, there's no choice C in any of these things. Where am I at here? Verse four. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. And so first it's the seas, it's the oceans. Now the springs are all foul. And earlier in Revelation eight, we read about a star named Wormwood that gets thrown to the earth and a third of the waters became Wormwood or polluted. And it says many men die from the water because it's made bitter, but it's only a third. Now all of the springs are turned into Wormwood. Interesting, and we talked about this word back then, the word Wormwood in Russian, it means Chernobyl. It's very interesting. And uh, you know, if you know anything about the history of Chernobyl, we know that it, it, it very much, again, polluted that land when that nuclear power plant, you know, went, went foul. And look at that's very much in the news today. And there's even a lot of talk of different bio labs, you know, at all over the world and accusations of even our country being involved in that. I'm not saying they are, they aren't. Though again, go COVID and go do the research about, you know, little Fauci and his, his going ons and so forth. I mean, unless you just want to bury your head in the sand and believe CNN, if you want to do real homework, man, there's some wickedness going on. And God says, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And you just see men moving in certain ways. And so, you know, is this a literal star that comes down? Is this, again, the, 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 the backfiring of, of, of men's own intent to destroy others? I, I don't know that. I know it's going to unfold perfectly, as God says, and I know this, as these men continue in sin, you would think, again, an early plague that would pollute a third of the waters would call everyone to say, we are sinners and repent. But instead, they continue on. So you know what happens? Now all the springs, now all of them are polluted, and now all of them become as blood. Again, very much will resemble hell, but it still won't be hell. And the fresh water to drink will be gone. I guess it will only be well water, perhaps, at this point. But this is going to have to have a great effect on, you know, at the food source there. And again, this is God wrapping things up here on earth. But once again, there's, there's, there's a living water that you can drink from tonight. Jesus offers it. John seven thirty seven on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Notice anyone. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And I want to drink of those waters daily. And I pray the Lord would pour out those waters in and through us, especially in this time when so many people are in need of the Lord. Verse five, he says, and I heard the angel of the water saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be because you have judged these things. And again, so it's a reminder in this that these judgments are righteous. These judgments are true. 
These judgments are upright. These judgments are of the Lord who was and is and is to be. As Hebrews 13, 8 declares, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But again, Proverbs 28, 5, evil men do not understand justice. They think they're righteous. That's the big problem with people that reject Jesus. They think they're righteous and, you know, they think they're above the law so often. And then there's others that think, you know what, they're too unrighteous to be forgiven. When that's the farthest thing from the truth. Those who think they're righteous need to humble their hearts and call upon Christ. And those who don't think they can be forgiven need to heed the words of Christ who says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and let him drink. And then verse six, for these shall have shed the blood of the saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink for this is their just due. Again, God's very gracious, but if you continue in sin, you're gonna sow what you reap, Galatians 6, 7. They kill with the sword throughout this. They're killing tribulation saint after tribulation saint. But Proverbs is true and God's word is true and his books get balanced. Proverbs 26, 27, he who digs a pit will fall into it. He rolls a stone, will have it rolled back on him. Think about Haman and Esther. He built those gallows for Mordecai. Who got hung on him? Haman did. Think about the Egyptians. They killed the babies of the Israelites. They lost their firstborn when that angel of death came through. Think about King Saul who refused to, an, 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 you know, to destroy the Amalekites. Yeah, I'll get it out. I've been talking for a, lot, for a long time up here. But was killed by Amalekite because he didn't want to do what God called him to do. You need to know that in life. God runs balanced books. First of all, get them wiped through the blood shed of Jesus Christ. And then let's walk in the fear of God in our days here, keeping short counts with him. And look, that's where life's found. Again, these people had no problem going with this beast system and killing Christians and rejoicing in it. In fact, we saw early on in the seal judgments when peace is taken from the earth and they take out their swords, remember they slaughter one another, which is a word to kill someone to make a sacrifice or to eat them as food. This time's gonna be off the charts. It's gonna go along with famine in that time. Again, give them blood to drink, but again, we go back to Jesus who drank the cup of wrath for us. Jesus is the way of escape. And then finally, verse seven, and I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And that's reiterated throughout this and a reminder to the reader throughout this. This is God's judgments that are just righteous. They are true because in our flesh, we look at, oh man, God, oh God, that, well, that's harsh, God. Again, Christ went to the cross. Christ made the way of escape. The wages of our sin is death. And be reminded of this, God is upright. God is true. God is righteous. God is just. Do not give in to that fleshly, worldly, and demonic thinking that somehow God's the bad guy in this. God is the victor. God is the upright one. God is holy. God is the giver of life and life abundant. Now, it seems that these voices are probably the tribulation saints. We read about them under the altar. Earlier in Revelation 6, 9, 
We read about them after the literal second coming of Christ. When the church returns with Christ, we sit on thrones and judge the earth. It talks about these souls beheaded, them finally then getting new bodies. And again, I've used that as a key component throughout this to put forth a pre-tribulation rapture view. You don't see the church during the great tribulation. Am I saying we can't be here? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the evidence I see here is the church not being here during that time. Always be ready, though, I'll tell you that. And so these voices reiterate what these angels put forth. They're speaking heavenly truths. Let's do the same thing here on earth. Well, Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you, God. Lord, there's a lot of heaviness here, no doubt, before us. There's a lot of truth before us, God. And some of these truths, God, Lord, if we're not in the spirit, Lord, if we just look at this, Lord, from a carnal perspective, Lord, they can be hard for us to swallow. Really, a lot of these truths here, they're even offensive to our flesh. But Lord, you've called us to crucify our flesh. You've called us, God, not to be conformed to the thinking of the world who has a mindset of righteousness and doing what they want to do and what's right in their own eyes. You've called us not to be conformed to that, but be transformed through the renewing of our minds. And I hope and pray tonight, God, that's been the case. Lord, transform and renew our minds. Lord, let us really understand and know, Lord, in a way deeper way that you are righteous, true, and just. And indeed, God, you are the just judge. I thank you, Lord, that again, you are the way of escape as well. And you've made that way. And I pray all the more tonight we would rejoice in the finished work of the cross. And Lord, I pray we would have a fear of God in our heart. And Lord, a stirred heart to pray for the unsaved today. And absolutely, God, an unction and a courage driven by love, love for the Lord and love for others to open up our mouth. Look, we talk about so many things. And Lord, it's such even a polarizing culture where it seems like men are emboldened out there on their platforms and so much, and, and, and you know, their beliefs in, in all perspectives, how much more should we be emboldened to preach the gospel of Christ to a world that needs you? Because that's the news that I know is true and that is upright and absolutely is, is unchanging the good news of Jesus Christ and the word of God. It's where we can stand and we know this is truth again in a world that is just marked by so much deception. So Lord, help us in that. And God, if, if there's believers here tonight, God, and, and their hearts aren't there and they're looking at this stuff, they're like, man, this is, this is tough. I don't know if I wanna continue in this and so forth. I pray, Lord, you'd help them. And God, I, I just pray, God, you put down that flesh nature that wants to pick and choose what we want and what we feel comfortable with. It doesn't work that way. You're Lord and your word is true. And so God, help us in that. And embolden us in that, God. And then tonight, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, look, I think you've gotten 101 reasons tonight why it's a good reason to call upon Jesus. And the Lord loves you. Again, we're sinners and it separates us from God, but Jesus Christ, he went to the cross to make the way of forgiveness. He lived a sinless life. He died in your place. He rose from the dead. He defeated sin. 
That if you call on him to be your Lord, which it it means you put faith in him. It means you're saying, I'm turning from my own way. I want to call sin, sin. And I want to turn to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord. I want to receive him. And then, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You put your faith in Jesus as your Lord. He'll meet you where you are. Yeah, the scriptures say throughout it, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on the Lord. Let God wash you and cleanse you. Get born again tonight. Call on him right now. Right now, ask him to forgive you, to wash you. And if that's you, I encourage you to tell someone, I'll be up here, come talk to me. Maybe the person that brought you, we'd love to put a Bible in your hands to help you in your walk with Jesus. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, he'll meet you where you are. Lord, bless the rest of our evening and we just pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.